Welcome to HR Latte, your connection to all things HR. Today's great HR department is foundational for today's successful business. Listen in as host Rayanne Thorne gets personal with practitioners and technologists, experts and thought leaders who care about the world of human resources. And now for your next cup of talent management, whipped to perfection. Hello, everybody, and welcome to HR Latte. This is Rayanne Thorne. I'm very excited to be talking about an interesting and unknown topic for me. My special guests today are Julie Zaydow and China Gorman. We're going to be addressing work human here on HR Latte. Thanks, ladies, for joining me today. You're Happy welcome. To be here. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for having us. It's such a pleasure to have you. And there's it's always a little tricky when we have a couple of guests. Don't worry about talking over each other. That's the joy of multiple guests on a podcast. It's fun. So don't worry about that at all. We're going to kick it off first, though, with each of you getting an opportunity to introduce yourself a bit and tell us a little bit about the work you do. Julie, let's start with you. Hi, good morning. Thank you. My name is Julie Zadow. I am the Vice President of Marketing for Global Force, but additionally, I have the pleasure of serving as the Executive Director of our Work Human Movement and the annual conference we pioneered in support of that movement, which I'm very excited to have today to tell you a little bit more about. Perfect. And China? I'm China Gorman. Currently, I'm a consultant, author, speaker. Uh, I write the popular uh, Data Point Tuesday blog. And in my real life, I'm a turnaround CEO in the HCM space. And I'm doing consulting things right now because I'm in between CEO assignments. Perfect. Well, I'm very happy to have you both on HR Latte today. And this is a new type of format for me. So we're going to jump right in. And I really want to get right to the heart of this, Julie. So if you could kick it off for us and tell us a little bit about Work Human, the concept behind it, what's it all about? Absolutely. And thank you. So as I mentioned, I'm the Vice President of Marketing for Global Force. If you're not familiar with Global Force, we are the world's leading provider of social recognition solutions, which for me as the VP of Marketing ends up being a fancy way of saying I have the great opportunity to market the power of thanks and the power of gratitude in the workplace. So I've held a number of VP-level marketing positions in different organizations, and this is by far the one that speaks to me the most personally with the most humanity to begin with. But to put that in a bit of context, we also here at Global Force, we really try to sort of be on the cutting edge of where we think the entire business landscape is is moving towards and what that means for, for our business and for our customers and for the you know landscape of people trying to figure out what it means to work in the first place. So with all of that in mind, we started really reacting to so much of what we're seeing in uh, popular culture, in business press, around the fact that the ways of work that we've invented from the past and and kind of hauled with us from the industrial age to present just just aren't working for anyone anymore in the ways that are really building work cultures where people feel that they can come in and do their life's best work every day. And plus, given the, I guess, the data-driven culture we're all in nowadays, we actually have the opportunity and the ability to measure the impact of things like happier employees, more gratitude in the workplace, and see what these really do for companies' bottom line. So I got to say all of that as a preamble for what this vision of work humans really means to us. And for us, it is basically the acknowledgement that the world is changing and that I think now more than ever, and I, I imagine folks will agree with me, as workers, we're looking for things like meaning and fulfillment 
camaraderie in our in our work. And for those of us that are fortunate enough to work in companies that create those kind of work environments, the ones where they consistently do things like attract and retain the best people and they engage people and they create these workplaces where employees can do their best work all the while really feeling appreciated for who they are, you know, appreciated for what they do and, and also for what they need at a very human level. For us, those kind of organizations are are building a new frame of reference for work. And for us, it's called Work Human. And we believe it delivers personal team and business results that the world needs to wake up and recognize. I love that. China, is there anything you'd like to add? Well, you know, what really attracted me to join the Work Human movement and um, work with Global Force around the Work Human Conference and creating a more year-round kind of opportunity for people to engage with the concept and, and with others is the the whole landscape, as Julie said, of business around the world is really beginning to focus on people. And I've been talking about this for years, that organizations, leaders of organizations who are really focusing on their employees as people, um, 24-hour-a-day people, instead of eight-hour shift collections of skills that punch in and punch out, they are reaping the cultural advantages that are now making them, um, uh, in some ways, impervious to downturns. They become talent magnets. They are able to access the most critical resource of any business still today, which are people. So organizations that are moving along a scale towards embracing the humanity of the people who work for them and understanding that they have, you know, elderly parent issues, they have kid issues, they have college debt issues, they have financial issues, they have all kinds of things impacting their ability to focus, their ability to engage at work, their ability to collaborate and innovate. Um, those organizations that are really beginning to relate to their employees as well-rounded, full-time human beings and offer support for all the things that they face, not just the things they face on the job. They're winning the war for talent. And these days, that means the business is sustainable. And there are an awful lot of businesses out there, Rayanne, and I know Julie agrees with me, that that are going to not be sustainable over time because their cultures are toxic. Um, the way they treat their people, you know, might even be bordering on illegal. <laughs> so in most cases, yes. Um, well, I don't know in most cases, but in a lot of cases, I really do have a deep belief in the, in the inherent goodness of mankind. And I think treating people badly is a learned behavior. I don't think it comes naturally. And I think the history of sort of organizational behavior, whether it's a militaristic thing or some other thing, we've been socialized that, you know, people are expendable and you don't have to treat them well. And so this has to change for a business to be sustainable, particularly with the demographic shifts that are happening in the big slug of baby boomers who will be leading the full-time economy. So that's why I'm so um, powerfully engaged with Work Human because it's ahead of its time. Well, actually, 
it's time is now. It's time is now. I love that. Yes. Yeah. But, but compared to everybody else, it's ahead of it. (laughs) Sure. And, and in reference to toxic workplaces, that's, that's when I was saying, yes, most cases, it's probably illegal if there's some toxicity going on and there's some anger issues or employees are, are overburdened or overwhelmed or feeling less than uh, gratitude coming from their senior leadership. Right. I love the power of thanks. I think that is a beautiful statement, a beautiful movement that Global Force is behind. And I'm excited to learn a little bit more about the conference. You spoke about humanity, and we're seeing a little bit more of this in our conversations about human resources, about talent management, about talent attraction, about employee engagement, about employer branding. We are hearing more and more the word human becoming an important and an integral part of these conversations. So let's talk about that, China. What personally does it mean to you when you hear humanity in the workplace? Well, you know, it's it's found it's all the things I was just talking about, but in a more, you know, if, if we look into an organization, it's being leaders who are present, who look at their employees in the eye, who smile, who have relationships with their employees, who are appreciative of the efforts of their employees. It's benefit programs that takes into account the totality of an employee's life and, and experience and what their hopes and, and dreams are. It's a leadership culture of trustworthiness and transparency where leaders tell the truth, even if sometimes um, the news isn't, isn't particularly fabulous. It's being personal and approachable. And it's creating an environment where employees understand that their work has meaning. They feel that it's not just another job on punching in and on punching out, but that their work has meaning to the whole larger mission of the organization. And then they actually enjoy coming to work and working alongside the colleagues that are on their team. It's, it's recognizing the essential humanity in every person and having that be a foundation of how the culture works. So that leads me to another question because we've talked about this for years. I mean, I, I started recruiting far longer ago than I care to care to mention. Mm-hmm. And we talked about cultural fit all the time, right? It was, let's talk about the cultural fit. Does, does that mean the same as it did 15 years ago? Has that evolved has it shifted? Has it changed? Are we talking more about the whole organization as opposed to departmental? What does cultural fit mean today? And is it different than it used to, something that it used to mean? This is something that I think about a lot myself as well as someone who, you know, is actively involved in recruiting people to be part of our organization as a, as a line of business manager myself. And I think a lot of it comes down to the concept of cultural fit to me used to be largely defined by sort of that, you know, 150-year-old mashup of military command structures that, you know, is this thing called bureaucracy that we kind of lugged into the modern age and even built our newer, more digital organizations around. And I think that this concept of cultural fit from the past sort of stood side by side next to those unchallenged, you know, tenets of bureaucracy uh, that really became the foundation of how we ran our companies. And we therefore built sort of a model that ended up being about inertia or just sort of an uninspiring approach to how people collaborate to work. And I think the change that we're seeing is, you know, if in the past, 
cultural fit was about how well can people mesh to reflect the singular vision of the people at the top of the organization, because that was a more sort of bureaucratic way to move forward. I think today, even the best leaders in companies have learned to ask you know, better questions of cultural fit. And instead of making it about bringing people in to continuously mirror the existing, potentially inertia-driven model of bureaucracy, it's how do we create a work environment that inspires everyone to give the best of themselves. So the definition of who our culture is becomes a a much wider lens of of who we are as individuals trying to work together. And then a much wider definition of what it means to bring all of your true human capabilities that matter most, those things like, you know, initiative or or imagination or passion to the table. Uh, So I think as, as we're trying with this work human movement to show the passion and the inspiration and the data that support the fact that for human beings to thrive at work, bureaucracy needs to die the, the, the sad, angry death it deserved a long time ago. <laughs> but I think as part of that, we're really at the precipice of redefining what it means as leaders to even use the phrase cultural fit right. and, and where the shape of that is meant to begin and how it's meant to grow. I was just going to make one observation of, of, of what Julie just said. I think um, in years past, the notion of cultural fit was we have to go out into the marketplace and find people who fit us, our culture. And I think it's been turned on its head. Now, smart leaders, leaders who are looking into the future and understand how, how things are changing, instead of saying, we're going to go out and find people who fit us, they're saying... How do we create a culture that will attract and fit the talent we have in the talent of the future? So it's it right. sort of flipped on its head. It's not about us anymore. It's about our employees and more importantly, about our future employees. I love that and I agree 100%. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk about the conference coming up in May in Orlando, the Work Human Conference. And then also I want to dive in a little bit deeper about employee needs, and we'll be right back after this quick message. HR Latte is brought to you by Dovetail Software, a SaaS-based HR case management and help desk solution to ease today's HR departments into tomorrow. Simple but powerful real-time employee engagement, knowledge management, and detailed analytics empower human resource departments and shared services teams to effectively handle any type of employee interaction. Dovetail Software, by HR, for HR. And we are back on HR Latte today talking with Julie Zaydow of Globoforce and the Work Human Conference. And also China Gorman, who is helping out with this whole big thing. And we're so excited, China, that you brought this to my attention. And I appreciate you introducing me to Julie and giving me the opportunity to talk a little bit more about this concept, which I love. I've been writing about it for years. So it brings me a great deal of satisfaction to understand and know that yeah, things are changing. We seem to be moving in the right direction. So Julie, give us a breakdown of what we can expect from the conference coming up. We have the Work Human Conference that's taking place in Orlando, May 9th through 11th. Tell us a little bit about the conference and how it's different. Sure, absolutely. So the conference is open to all who care about building a more human workplace. Now, naturally, that means that we have a group of HR leaders, but also business leaders from all over the country and and actually from around the world who are coming together this May. And the conference agenda is, of course, designed to allow us to share our ideas and exchange 
best practices on, on what we think is working in terms of what it means to work human and, and why it matters. And we have an incredible array of keynote speakers that I'll tell you more about as well. Uh, but I think we've also really succeeded in being the unconference, if you will, in some ways that are reflective of the concept and the movement that we espouse, this concept of work human. How many of us have been to a business conference in a beautiful city, in a beautiful locale, and we've walked into a sunlight-deprived ballroom and not emerged for two straight <laughs> days and not had a moment to actually be part of where we were or feel like anything more than humans? Too many of us, for sure. <laughs> too many of us, exactly. So yeah. in designing the Work Human Conference, we really challenged that that vision of, of conference planning and turned it on its head, and I'm, I'm super proud of that. So this is a conference that we have designed to not only be about thought leadership and best practices exchange and incredible keynote speakers, but also to live the movement as part of the conference itself. This conference, in addition to having keynote sessions, has walk-and-talk sessions. We have uh, yoga. We have a, um, a mindfulness monk who's coming to do pre-event, post-event, and even during the break event mindfulness sessions, trying to get people to find ways to tap into sort of their whole five senses sense of self, if you will. And we've worked very hard to design the conference environment to reflect the entirety of who we are each day when we try to show up and bring our most engaged mind, but our most physically and emotionally nourished selves to doing, you know, the best work we can in any given day. And the conference is actually designed to meet that objective, which I'm very proud of. Sounds wonderful. China, is there anything else that we can expect? Well, I think you can expect to be surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of like-minded people. There's something very powerful you know, it's, it's why clubs exist. You want to be with people sort of who have the same kinds of intentions and, and, um, your heart beats in kind of the same way. And think about the power of being on site with hundreds and hundreds of business leaders, many HR people, but all kinds of business leaders who are determined to bring humanity into the culture of their organization. And think about the conversations that you can have, you know, in a walk and talk, in a break, uh, in a in a session, uh, as you're walking from, you know, one part of the venue to the other. What I felt last year at the first work human was an incredible sense of home, even because everybody there at that first work human, so people were there. It was a leap of faith, but everyone there was focused on how do I bring more humanity into my work unit, into my department, into my location, into my business, into the into my global workforce? And so there's a there's a huge learning potential about how others are thinking about this, how others are actually doing things to bring humanity in. But then there's just the warmth and the comfort of I'm not alone thinking these thoughts. There are business leaders all over the world thinking these thoughts and doing these things. And so coming away with cool new, you know, tactics, fabulous larger strategies, but more important, warm personal relationships, real relationships, face-to-face relationships that you can carry forward in your work, whatever your work is, but particularly your work in providing 
a human experience for employees. Right. It sounds fabulous. I, I am going to be there and I'm very excited about this event. I appreciate you bringing it to my attention. One thing that I've been talking about for the last year, China, and I even talked to you about this in October when I interviewed you at HR Tech, we've been talking a great deal about employee engagement, about employee and happiness. Are they the same thing? And a conversation that you and I have had a couple of times about why people leave an organization. And when we talk about needs being met, when we talk about happiness, engagement, there's always this other side of it. Well, they must not be supported by leadership. They must have greater expectations. They must want um, opportunities for personal growth. Ultimately, why do you think people leave an organization? I mean, I, we've had this conversation, China. You, we've shared information back and <laughs> forth. And I would love for you to share your thoughts on this because I think it's it's really important for us to to understand every aspect of an employee mind. And we can't fully unless we explore it. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Well, you know, you and I've talked specifically about the old saw that employees don't leave companies, they leave managers. And I think some employees leave their manager. I don't think the majority of the reasons that employees leave have to do in particular with a bad manager. However, an organization culture that allows a bad manager to create a toxic environment has, has bigger issues than just right, a bad manager. But I think the days of painting a broad brush and treating your employee population as one homogeneous group, I think those days are over. And I think we're with, with the amount of data that we collect, with our ability to analyze data and gain insight, the days of saying people leave our organization because of some wide-sweeping pronouncement are over. If you're going to be treating employees like humans, that means... Right. right. You got 10,000 employees, you got 10,000 humans, and, and they're all different and they're all motivated in different kinds of ways. They have lots of commonality. But I really, I really do believe that an organization that has turnover issues, right, and that's why you pay attention to why employees leave, it's never about one manager. It's about systemic kinds of cultural issues. Right. And perhaps it's about the leader's you know, say one thing and do another. Our, our values are just words on a wall and we don't really believe in those. And I'm driven by a passion and a heart and I need to be somewhere that ab- that actually I share their values and they, and they are important. Um, it could be that compensation isn't fair. You know, politics play a huge role in who gets what and, and how the rewards are divvied out. It could be it's an organization that never, ever, ever says thank you. And so my boss never says thank you, but neither does any other boss in the organization. And so there are all kinds of reasons why employees leave organizations. I think it's rarely come down to my boss, but if it is my boss, as the presenting issue, it's a bigger issue than my boss. It's a cultural failing that lets bad bosses survive. It's a cultural failing that lets bosses, that makes it okay for for bosses to never show appreciation and gratitude and to value effort and innovation collaboration and, and all of those kinds of things. Data gives us the power now to know more than I left because I had a bad boss. China rocks it by bringing data to the forefront here, and hopefully we'll actually start to figure out how to use that data to make a difference in the workplace. 
the whole time you're talking, China, all I can hear is Alec Baldwin in the Glenn Glary, Glenn Ross scene where she's, <laughs> you know, always be closing coffees for closers and the whole scene of, oh my gosh, do I really work here? Do I, I really want to feel this way? Do I really want to be diminished in this capacity? Is there a difference that I can make? And I think that the employee has a voice, but more importantly, I think folks like Julie and like China and like myself that are raising issues like this, that are talking more about it, that are making it a part of everyday conversation in the human resource industry is going to be the difference. And individuals out there that are are doing podcasts, that are writing blog posts, that are highlighting data, that are understanding the difference between one human and another, that we are 10,000 snowflakes, you know, that that we are all different and that that we can reach each of those in similar ways, but understanding that we are all different. I am very well, excited. You know, Go ahead, please. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I was just going to try to um, bring Julie in for a second. Julie, I know Global Force does a lot of research around the data um, that supports, you know, having a culture based on gratitude. Do you have some of that data at your fingertips that, that organizations that uh, are that show appreciation, turnover goes way down, right, Julie, and, and all kinds of other things, good data driven outcomes happen, right? Oh, that's absolutely true. I mean, we've seen some, you know, really powerful truths emerge from the data around the incredible differentials in workplace environments that foster gratitude versus those that don't in terms of impact on employee turnover, impact on employee productivity, impact on employees' sense of actually having a purpose for why they come to work. And and the differentials are staggering between environments where individuals state that they work in places where they are appreciated for what they do versus the difference when employees say they work in places where, frankly, uh, gratitude isn't expressed for uh, the work that they do each and every day. Those exact types of people who uh, demonstrate um, a sense of disengagement from leadership, disengagement from their culture, a lack of feeling inspired, a lack of feeling like they, they want to be productive are also the very same people who statistically report working in environments that are devoid of gratitude. Wow. Well, with that, we're going to wrap this special edition of HR Latte, talking about the Work Human Conference with Julie Zadow and China Gorman. Ladies, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. I am looking forward to the conference and understanding more about the power of thanks, the power of gratitude in the workplace. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you.